Turn in your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 2. This morning I want to talk to you about something fairly simple, um, but uh, profound as well, uh, for us to think about the great physician. The great physician. I don't know if you use that term and if you refer to Jesus as the great physician in your everyday life. But this morning, I I want to point you to something that might be profound for you. Maybe something that you've never thought of. When you go to the doctor, most of the time we're sick, right? Uh, Those well checkups we don't do very often. Uh, We wait until things are really bad. And then we go to the doctor. And when we get sick, I mean, for some of us, our greatest fear is getting sick of of having something like cancer or some other disease that will be long and drawn out and will kill us in the end. I I think of Ron, and I I got to see him, I believe it was last Sunday even. Uh, We went down to the hospital, and I I saw this man uh, who... Ron was such an interesting guy. Uh, He used to tell me my kids wear Old Navy clothes, and uh, he'd say, yeah, I'm Old Navy too. Because uh, he was in the Navy. And he uh, was one of those Navy pilots during the Korean War that uh, flew off aircraft carriers when they really shouldn't have been doing that. It's just kind of a rubber band and a hook. And, you know, uh, that's about how things went back then. And yet he did that. He did something super amazing. And to see his life and how strong he was, uh, he was Superman to me. And then last week when I saw him in the hospital... He he was laying there, and it just didn't seem right. It just didn't seem right. He was laying there. He spoke a little bit. I believe he knew uh, who we were. And um, Yet as I prayed for him, my desire was that he would be healed, that he would be back to the man that I knew, uh, that he would be back to health, and that we would enjoy uh, time. And I, I went down there, and I remember uh, last week I said, hey, you promised me we were going to go out to lunch and you never called. And so I came down here chasing after you. I I wanted those things and I expected those things. And I looked through the New Testament and Jesus healed many people. He healed many people from different ailments they had, some internally, some, some visible. And he healed many people. He did many miracles. And yet all those people died. And many people over and over again who I've seen in the hospital, they've gotten healed of their sickness. And I believe that's the Lord's will and his desire. And yet they, once again, they died. And this passage that's going to talk to us about Jesus being the good doctor, the great physician. I want to tell you that it's not a passage about physical healing. We can look for it, but it's not there. It's not that God doesn't care about our sicknesses. It's not that he doesn't care about our physical health down here. But when he talks about himself as being the great physician, he's talking about something much more important, maybe much more important than we can even um, grasp or comprehend. Please stand in honor of God's word. And I'd like to read to you 
Mark chapter 2, verse 13. God's word says this, he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them and he passed by he, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me and he rose and he followed him and as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples For there were many who followed him. The scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, he said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. God, we ask your blessing on our time. We ask that you would fix in our mind uh, your will and what you desire to do in our lives and the lives of others. May we not be set in our ways, but exchange our mind for your own. God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When you see this, you see once again that Jesus was very popular. Not so much popular in the sense of like a rock star, like people looking at him and just wanting to follow him aimlessly. But as a teacher, the crowds would always come. As he began to teach, they would press in and they, there were crowds and, and over and over again, he would draw a crowd by his teaching. This is another one of those examples that there was a crowd of people gathering around, following after him because he had these words that nobody else had. And you see this mob or this crowd that is gathering around him in the city and they come beside this tax booth, this place where a man sits and uh, a man who sits at a post, if you will, at, at most likely at where roads converge and uh, coming into the city, a place where everyone would pass by. And as he sat there, we don't know what he was thinking about. I don't know what, what you think about when you're supposed to be working. You sit at that job and maybe you're daydreaming and you're going, I wish I had another job. I wish I wasn't doing this. I wish I was someplace else. I have so many other things I need to be doing. Maybe Matthew was even thinking about his own particular occupation. We don't know. He was a tax collector. And and from all accounts that we know of tax collectors in that time, they were hated people. They were known to be cheats. In fact, they didn't just cheat uh, the government. They probably cheated both ways. They probably cheated the people that they collected taxes from. They had a certain amount that they must pay. Can anyone relate to this so far? They have a certain amount that they must pay. And the tax collectors could add some on to that, kind of a bigger cut for themselves. So they probably cheated their own countrymen, but at the same time, they probably cheated the government as well. 
And they had this post where they were neither, it it was kind of in the middle there, but they were doing it for themselves, for money. He had this place and undoubtedly he had finances and was benefiting from this tax collecting business that he had. And as he sat there, he sat there. We don't know what he was thinking about, but maybe he was even considering his own heart and going, what a worthless occupation I got right here. What a a guy I am. We don't know. He may have been thinking nothing at all. Just, you know, zoning out. And the crowd comes by. And it says that Jesus saw him, saw him. I find that interesting because there was a crowd, right? There was a crowd. Have you ever been in a huge crowd? Those of us from Tehachapi, we kind of break out in a rash when that happens. (laughs) One of you, one of you told me one time, this was even five, six years ago. You said, you know, Tehachapi's, we've been here for a long time and Bear Valley is a great place and everything, but it's getting so crowded and there's a lot of traffic. And I thought to myself, that's odd. (laughs) You know what it is to have a crowd, right? And when there's a huge crowd, it's hard to distinguish individuals. Individuals. And you get this picture that there's this crowd of people, and somehow Jesus picks out this one guy who's not even really a part of the crowd. He's a tax collector sitting in his booth. It'd be as if we were right here and I, I, I saw somebody in the, in the narthex and I said, hey, you, over there. And you're like, how did he pick them? He picked out someone particular, Matthew, Levi, excuse me. We'll get there, him being Matthew. He saw him, he saw him. And I really get this picture that this is uh, what Christ is all about. And maybe maybe you remember, remember, when God called you to himself, when he drew you in, when he drew you in. You may have been in a large crowd and someone sharing the gospel. And, and, and they, they call, they share the gospel with you and they, they said, it's, now is your time to respond. And you thought that it was just a conversation between you and that person. And you said, I I couldn't do anything else because I knew that this is the moment for me. Undoubtedly, this was true for Levi as well. He was sitting in his tax booth, counting his money, daydreaming, thinking about the next deal, the the next people that he was going to rip off. And as he was going about his life, his everyday life, Jesus called to him. Jesus called to him. He was in a crowd. Jesus called. And it's beautiful that he responded, that he responded. I I think it's interesting as well that there's no record of a conversation that Jesus had with Levi. I don't know if there was or wasn't. I think about it my own heart sometimes. If I were that person sitting in the tax collector's booth, it was Kevin's tax collecting booth. And I, I was sitting up there and 
this man, and maybe I saw the crowd weaving in, you know, this huge mob of people weaving in through the streets and, and coming by my tax collecting booth and going, I wonder what, it almost looks like a parade. I don't believe, I, you know, that guy that they're following. I don't know if I trust him. And he calls to me and he says, come and follow me. And, and I can imagine what I would say, well, um, uh, uh, where are we going? Where, where, where are we going? You're going to come and follow me and, and life's going to be different. Well, but, but, but what, about, what about evolution? Um, you know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, I've been raised in this great public school system. And um, they talk about apes and all this stuff. And it really makes a lot of sense once you think about it. Um, and I don't know, you know, what about that? It doesn't say that Jesus offered anything, did he? It doesn't, well, you know, Jesus, I understand that you're calling people to yourself and that we should follow you and that uh, without reservation, but what about those people in Africa who have never heard? What about that? You know, you don't have this huge conversation recorded. He may have had questions, we don't know. But this stark call of Jesus was not a call to say, hey, Come check things out. We'll see, see how it all ends up later. He called to this man. He didn't have this long conversation. He called him to follow. He didn't answer all these questions. Every question I ever had. But it shows that he followed. He responded. He responded. I think he responded because he could do nothing else. You know, uh, today, if you don't know Christ and you haven't responded to Him, if you've kind of gone through the motions of Christmas, you bought the gifts, you've ate the cookies, uh, you've spent time with family, but there's really no celebration in your heart because when it comes to Jesus, you're just not a part of you. Today's your day to respond. We're going to talk about who he is. He's the great physician. He's the one. He, he is the, the one that you need. It's time to respond. What happens, this joyous response from Levi moves from the crowd on the streets by the tax collecting booth to the home of Levi, to the home of Levi. Look at it. <coughs> in verse 15, after Jesus has said in 14, follow me, then it says, and he rose and he followed him. Did he lock the door? Did he grab his bag? I don't know. What happened to the tax collecting booth? You know what? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Because the story doesn't follow an empty room empty business no matter how lucrative it was it follows a, a changed heart of a man and in verse 15 it says and he reclined at the table in his house many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him why were there so many tax collectors and sinners at the home of levi think about that right now because if you're a sinner and a tax collector, guess who your friends most of the time are? Other sinners and tax collectors. 
you know, it's their office party, right? Nobody else wanted to be friends with them, so that's who they were, right? Tax collectors and sinners. And think about that group right now. I know that sometimes we look at uh, tax collectors, maybe just a businessman, you know, wearing a suit, maybe dressed up, you know, just a powerful businessman. But I think it's far worse than that. It was seedy. It was something that was uh, reviled in their culture. And, and if you think about the groups today of sinners and tax collectors, who are they? Where are they? Whose homes are they? Who, who, are, who are those groups at school? Sinners and tax collectors. When, when you identify a group of people, I remember when I went to high school, you'd, you'd see a group and you'd say, oh, those are the baseball players over there. Those are the cheerleaders over there. You know, th- those are the group of computer geeks. Actually, they were just typewriter geeks back then. No, but um, those were the, that group of people and that group, and you identify them. But if you look at this, what was the group that he was a part of? Tax collectors and sinners. Filthy partiers. That's who they were. And you get this picture. One of them follows after Christ. And now we're in the midst of a home filled with them. And right in the middle of it, or reclining at the table, is Jesus and his disciples. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about us as a church, what would that do to us? You get this picture that Jesus and his disciples were with them and it caused an uproar. It caused people to feel uncomfortable. In verse 16 it says, And and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he eat? They're not just asking a simple question because they don't understand. It's a question that they feel that Jesus is doing something wrong. And he's putting the pressure on the disciples to answer for him. You get this picture, there's a party going on inside. There's a party going on inside. And outside, maybe even following at a distance, are the religious leaders of the day, the scribes of the Pharisees. And they're folding their arms and going, they're the elders of the church. Can't believe our people. This great leader is taking these so-called people. And what is he doing? There were ladies there. They would be part of the women's ministry team. They'd be going, I can't believe what those other ladies are doing. Don't they know? Maybe there was the youth staff. The youth staff. And they were considering the kids of the youth group. And they go, oh, I know they're sinning. I know they're sinning. Shouldn't be doing that. Maybe it was the Awana leaders. As they gathered around and they go, you would never believe what I saw the other day. Jesus and his disciples, pa, at the home of Levi. I can't believe it. This is something that needs to be verified. I must talk to others about this. 
the leaders, the so-called religious leaders, standing back at a distance, looking at Jesus and going, I can't believe he's with sinners and tax collectors. It's hard for us to imagine. And it, to be honest, to be honest, does it make you feel uncomfortable? If you're going to have a dinner party, who do you want to be with? You know, the question is, and maybe this has crossed your mind, the scribes and the Pharisees ask, ask the, uh, the disciples, why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? And the answer quite quickly could come, because they eat better. They, have, they know how to party. They're, they're a lot more fun than you are. It's a, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church. Forgive me for saying this. If this is being recorded, scratch this from the record. You know, sometimes as believers, we're cheap. We're, we're eating leftovers. You know, we say, hey, we're going to have this great celebration. Bring all your leftovers. Celebration? You know, chop up what you had last week, throw it in a pan and put some cheese over it. We're going to celebrate. Here's some red punch. It'll hurt going down, but it's really tasty. You get the picture here that Jesus is part of a celebration of, of these people that don't, maybe don't even know what, what, why they're celebrating. But he's in the middle of it. That's not the reason. That's not the reason. And the disciples, I, I know if I would be one of Jesus' disciples, maybe I would have been, uh, I don't know, I don't know, should we not be here? Uh, maybe I should come back out in the street here and, you know, maybe this is going to be bad for our reputation. Maybe I should pull Jesus out and say, Jesus, don't you know who these people are? Which is a great, great question, you know. I'm sure he did, you know. It's God. And yet you have these groups looking into really a party they wouldn't have been invited to. Looking at sinners and tax collectors and going, ah, I can't believe they're there. Jesus answers them with a super important question. He answers them. The question wasn't for him, but he takes over. In verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. Oh man, that's a hard, this, this leads us down a hard road here. Because undoubtedly the scribes and the Pharisees thought they were, scribes and the Pharisees thought that they were all right. They thought they were good in and of themselves. And as they looked upon Jesus, and they definitely, as they looked upon those sinners and those tax collectors, they said, they're wrong with God, we're right with God. God is repulsed by their life, but He is pretty happy with what we're doing. He cannot stand who they are, but He really likes us quite a bit because of the way we're living. And Jesus says to them, He says, those who have no need of a, who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then he says, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And I read over this and I read over this and I say, so what does that mean? How does that work out? 
If you're doing what's right, if you're doing what's right, is that all wrong? If you're separating yourself from sinfulness, is that all wrong? Or should I dive headlong into the sinful world and party with the sinners? I struggle with that. I want to tell you a few things it doesn't say in this passage. I realize that's a dangerous thing to uh, point to. But it does not say that Jesus was getting drunk and carousing and participating in all the sin of these sinful people. All it says is he was there. He was with them. He was reclining at the table. He was eating with them. He was being with them. You see, Jesus knew their need. And he says, the ones who are healthy, the ones who are not sick, don't need a doctor. Which should cause us to ask the question, who is healthy? Who are are the ones that are not sick? Were the ones out on the street, those ones? You know what's interesting about the doctor? Um, Has a doctor ever come to your house? You know, it's called a house call, right? I'm not just saying you've called him and he's come to your house. I'm saying, does your doctor periodically knock on your door and say, "Um, I'm just here to just see if you're feeling okay. Let me give you an exam. I know you haven't called. I I know you seem well. I'm going to come and I'm going to give you an exam to make sure you're okay. Never happens. Never happens. You know how you see a doctor? You You say, I'm sick. I need to go. I need to see the doctor. I am not right. Jesus is making the point uh, that it's only those who are acknowledging, who know their need, who Jesus has time for and those who he seeks after. This is so hard for me to, uh, to think through because so often I, I seek the groups of people who think they're okay. I I seek to be with, and I seek to be with people just like myself. And I go, yeah, I'm doing really good. You want to know all the good deeds I did this week? And we get around and we talk about how good we are, how much we've read our Bibles, how holy we are, and how how many things we haven't done this week. You know what? I didn't say a dirty word all today. I haven't haven't, uh, got drunk like those other people. I haven't participated, I haven't stole like those other people. And, and we, we gather around these circles and we say, look at how good we are. And yet Jesus, it says that he went into this home of these sinners and these tax collectors. He reclined at the table with them. And he pushed back pretty hard on these scribes of the Pharisees who 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 thought they were okay. And he says, The ones who need the doctor are the ones that are sick. The ones that are sick. This morning, really as we conclude our year, our year, I I, I find this passage being something that I, I really want us to embrace as a church. 
to embrace as a church. I find it interesting that Jesus somehow saw Levi. He somehow saw him. And you say, well, you know why he saw him? Because he wanted to see him, right? He identified him. He said, now's your time, Levi. And, and to be real honest, we, we can't do that. But we can be eyes open, looking for sinners who God is working in, can't we? We could be looking around, dreaming and praying and hoping that as we look around and we look in the eyes of sinners, we say, I wonder if God's working in you right now. To not just be consumed with the crowd or of ourselves, and, but, but to, to look in the eyes of sinners and wonder, is God at work in them? And pray that He would. It's a dangerous thing when we say, I don't have a problem. I am not a sinner. Or if we compare and we say, at least I'm not like them. I'm not, as ba- I'm not that bad that I really need a doctor. You do. You do. Daily. We're in constant need of the great physician. We're in constant need. It's that we need him forever. I want to tell you that Jesus is the doctor. The problem that Levi had, you know what? He probably didn't have any money problems. He probably was in good health. He probably had every comfort that you can imagine. But the one thing he needed was the great physician. The one sickness he had wouldn't show up on a blood test. It wasn't something where you take your temperature and you know what's wrong. He needed Jesus. A few questions for us as we land this morning. Questions for you. Do you eat with sinners? Do you eat with sinners? I know that's a hard question. I know as believers, especially in a community like ours, where we gather at church, we like being at church, we love being with God's people. You should. You know why? Because we're family. But are there purposeful times of you going out and realizing that this isn't your environment and saying, you know what, I don't feel all that comfortable, but I'm going to go eat with sinners. It hopes that these are the people that God wants to use use me in their lives to draw them to himself. Secondly, I want to ask you the question, do you see yourself as a sinner? Do you see yourself as a sinner? I know sometimes I was raised in the church and it was a huge blessing for me to escape many of the sins that I would have done had I not known the Lord. But sometimes the farther away we get from the before Christ days, the farther away we get from the day that Christ saved us, sometimes we forget that we are a sinner. That we look around and, and, and we hear of, of different sins and, and we're repulsed by them and we go, Pah, I can't believe them. I can't believe they would be so wicked. Instead of remembering that the heart of a sinner was our own heart apart from Christ. 
that if we had not been changed by the good gospel of Jesus, the one where he died and rose again for sinners, we would be right there and maybe further down the road. Do you see yourself as a sinner? And lastly, do you see Jesus as the only answer for sinners? Do you see Jesus as the only answer for sinners? Focus on only answer for sinners. I think sometimes uh, we, we look at different people in, in our lives and we see them making desperately bad decisions. We know of sinners that we work with or in our neighborhood or, 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 or people that are in our family and we, we look at them and we say, yeah, if only they got a better job. You know, if they only, if they would have, um, you know, I, I think what would really change their life if they just got married. If they just found that special someone, then everything would be okay. If they just got a career, they seem kind of aimless. You know, if they would have went to college, if they just get that college degree. Sad thing about college degrees, isn't it? It's the day after. It's the day after, right? You get the degree and you're like, shouldn't somebody salute me or something? You know, I got the degree, now what? You know? Jesus is the only answer. He's the only answer for our sin problem. He's the only one. It's not being better. It's not changing our crowd. It's Jesus is the answer for sinful people like us. Let me pray and ask God to remind us of this message. We've just come out of, Lord, a, a season. Just yesterday we celebrated the birth of your son. And God, uh, we celebrate because he is the only uh, only answer for our sin problem. God, I pray if there are any here uh, this morning that don't know you, haven't had their sins removed because of what Christ did on the cross, I pray that you would work in their heart now. And just as Jesus called to Levi, I pray that you would work in their heart right now, bringing them to know you. God, I ask for us as a church uh, that we would not be arms folded, shaking our finger, saying you shouldn't be with those people and being uh, that those people that are unwilling to go and love the unlovely, to be with those who don't have all, all their junk together. God, cause us as a church to have our eyes open for what you are doing, being thrilled with our own salvation, knowing we are needy sinners, we would go and we would look for more as you would lead us. God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would mark us and that we would not forget who you were. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next year.